tonight at Tabernacle. Take the old church symbol, please, if you would. Here's a favorite song of Tabernacle, 279. 279. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Amen. Can you imagine looking upon the face of the Lord? What a blessing that will be. Let's stand, please. We'll do several stanzas. Page 279, as I journey through the land, singing as I go. Let's sing on stanza one. As I journey through see them face to face. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. 
Open up our hearts by the Holy Ghost and search us, oh God. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, just lead God and direct in our lives. I pray that you will perfect that which lacketh concerning our faith and turn us to be servants of the living God and help us to serve you with all our heart. Bless every song and every special, the message, the testimonies. Bless everything that takes place tonight. Most of all, Lord, in this church, unto you be the glory. And may you have your way in everything. If anybody's not saved, bring them to salvation tonight. And Lord, for those that are backslid, far away, disturbed, troubled, hurting, or, or have some issue, may they find peace with you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Excuse me, get my paper clip out of my mouth. I shouldn't do that. I apologize. <laughs> you didn't need to see that. Kids don't do that, okay? Put it in my pocket. You can be seated, congregation. Choir, you can be seated as well. And I'll let you sit down on this song here. Let's turn to page 145. 145. You just saw a side of me that you don't need to see. Amen. I do that occasionally. And uh, it's one of those things. All right, 145. Rescue to perishing. Care for the dying. Sorry about that, Brother Ken. We'll do a couple of stanzas, then we'll have the choir singing. Okay, 145. Rescue the perishing. Choir, you can stand please in the notebook, page number 30. The pastor requested this song a few weeks ago. We sang it. We'll sing it again tonight. And we'll dedicate it to him. I have a better place to go. Amen.
our good singing tonight. Let's sing again 269 in the old church temple. If you'll stand, we'll do several stanzas. Then the choir will come down. What a wonderful change since Jesus came into my heart. Let's lift it up on stanza one, 269, the old church terminal. Sing it together. What a wonderful change. from my wandering and going astray stands the two to dwell in that city. I think I'm going there. I hope I'm going there. But the Bible says you are going if you're saved by the grace of God. Amen. We shall be there present. When the roll is called, we shall answer present. Stanza number five, I shall go there to dwell together. I shall go standing please let's fellowship a little while as the choir comes down to join you
right, if you find your way back to your seats, do have a couple announcements. Uh, looking over these announcements, we usually have a good bit of them, but most of them apply to this week, this week and the next week. So play, pay very close attention uh, to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time if you're a part of these. Um, first of all, tomorrow is Veterans the Veterans Day um, outreach. We did some yesterday, but there's also the Veterans Day outreach tomorrow. Going to be at the Golden Corrals in Cherrydale and Easley. Looking down below, it looks like there's only two open slots left. So thank you to all those that signed up to help. And there is still a little bit of room if you'd like to be a part of helping with that. Uh, if you did sign up, the only instructions are show up at that location at the time that you were designated for. We'll have everything all set up and you should be good to go on that. Uh, that's tomorrow. Uh, then on Tuesday is the first night of the ladies Bible study and that's going to be from 6.30 to 8.30 and that's going to be at Miss Alexander's house. That's this Tuesday the 14th and then we'll also be on the 20th as well as the 30th and again that's 6.30 through 8 o'clock p.m. for that. Um, and then uh, on Saturday is going to be, the, there's a, several things going on Saturday. First of all there's going to be the Senior Saints Fellowship. Um, that's going to be uh, on Saturday the 18th. The time for that is going to be 1 to 4 and that's going to be in the Rose Room and if you'd like to be a part of that you could bring some finger food that would be great. Again that's November 18th from 1 to 4. Uh, then also on Saturday, the normal visitation will be at 1045. That will be uh, at normal, normal time there. We're going to look at doing a little bit different. Uh, in the past, we've done a lot of focus on this side of Greenville, uh, though the immediate area around Greenville. And uh, the plan is to kind of branch out from that and kind of do the other side of Greenville, the Wood, Woodruff, uh, Haywood Road area. And so we're going to be looking to do that over the course of the next little bit. Again, that normal visitation time is 1045. Then also, there's going to be another opportunity to go to the Clemson game. That's going to be at 4.30, or departure here is going to be at 4.30 this coming Saturday to go hand out some tracks, get the gospel out at the Clemson um, game. Now, there's, I believe it holds 85,000 people, uh, usually pretty close to a packed out crowd for that. So the more the people, the better to be able to get the gospel out. So feel free to come to be a part of that. Leave here at about 4.30, and I know that'll be a great time. Um, then also on Sunday, there's going to be the regular deacons meeting. I know we've had a couple that have been mixed in, but the regular monthly deacons meeting is going to be this coming Sunday at four o'clock. Just scanning through to make sure I have everything. I got, I think I got everything on that except for the senior services. I know the last couple weeks that 11 o'clock service has been canceled due to share That will resume this coming uh, Wednesday. And then one big announcement. Next week is Thanksgiving week. Who's excited about Thanksgiving? Great time of year. We're going to move both of the services from, from the normal Wednesday. We're going to move that to, two, or to, to Tuesday. So there'll be the 11 o'clock service, and then the evening service is going to be not Wednesday, not next Wednesday, but it'll be next Tuesday for the Thanksgiving week. All right, we've got some prayer requests tonight. The ushers can come. We're going to receive the offering. Uh, while they come, just going to mention these prayer requests. Uh, remember uh, the Tuck family, Miss Lindsay lost of her brother, uh, Charlie Otero, the family there with the home going of Miss Maria, then Helton family with the home going of Brother Dennis. So pray for these families uh, that God will comfort their hearts. Also, let's pray for uh, Miss McBriar with a transplant. 
uh, Milton and Tracy Sanders with their serious health issues. Uh, may God comfort them. Mary Stoudemire, we, uh, she had surgery last week and is doing well, and she's at home. Uh, Fred Haggard is at home. Evelyn Townsend also uh, is at home in hospice. Uh, Hester Gibbs uh, is in a retirement community. Carrie Johnson recovering from surgery. Uh, Dr. Vaughn uh, in rehab. And Brother Poole told me today that uh, Becky Ray, Brother Vaughn's daughter, uh, her son-in-law, and the whole family, uh, his name is Sam Thornton, uh, family of eight, they are stranded on the outer bank in a storm. And so pray they can't put tents up to, because of the winds and pray they will be rescued. And he asked prayer about that. And then also uh, Stanley Gambrell in the hospital, pray for him. And then also Mrs. Binge. Uh, did Brother Binge get back already? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Brother Binge is back uh, with his wife. She had a stroke. Pray for her. Uh, Brother Joe Arthur's mother with poor health. Uh, Matthew Barton, uh, Pastor Randy Barton's son with very serious health issues. Let's continue to pray for him. And also let's pray for Dr. R.B. Willette with his recovery. Uh, that God will comfort him. And also, I would ask you uh, to pray for Brother Robbie Molinax. Today he went to Tennessee, and tomorrow they start the printing of the, I believe, 250,000 uh, New Testaments in Chinese and English, and pray. He said, pray that there'll be no hiccups <laughs> there. Uh, you know, when you're printing the Bible, uh, the devil doesn't like that, and uh, I know for sure because I've seen experience of that. So let's pray for Brother Robbie as he is there in Tennessee uh, with this project going on, okay? So we're going to have a word of prayer, and right after I pray, Brother Bryce and Miss uh, Clark and Jessica be singing, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to be in your house tonight. Lord, thank you for the sermon and message we heard this morning. And Lord, please help us to be true biblical servants, Lord. And Lord, help us to honor you and help our pastor as he preaches tonight. Fill him with thy spirit. Use him in a special way. And Lord, help us as Christians to open our hearts uh, to receive the word of God. If there's anybody that's not saved, Lord, would you please save someone tonight? Thank the Lord for the young man that got saved this morning, Lord. We're so grateful for that. And Lord, if there's anybody backslidden, bring them closer to thee. And Lord, we have these requests that we have asked, the ones that have lost uh, their loved ones and that you'd comfort their hearts, the ones that are sick. You know each and every one of them, Lord. And Lord, help Brother Robbie as they they start the printing of the Word of God tomorrow, Lord, that everything will run well. And Lord, help us this day. Help us to be faithful in giving uh, in our tithe, in our faith promise. Uh, and Lord, help us to honor you in all that we say and do. And thank you for the privilege to give. Use this 
offering for thy service in your precious and holy name we ask you. Amen. Now 
palm of his hand, yet so small he can live in the heart of a man. It's a mystery, great mystery, but oh so true, that there's nothing, no nothing, that my God can't do. James chapter number one, there's nothing that my God can't do. Praise the Lord. He saved me from sin and hell, friend, glory. And um, I'm so thankful. If he could save me, I know he could save anybody. Amen. And um, the apostle Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Amen. One preacher said, if he got the chief, he can get all the Indians too. And um, as they were singing, my mind went back to the North Korea border in China when Mary and I used to live there. And, um, and, and God gave us a right-hand man. I called him Dongji. That, that means comrade in, in Korea. And um, Dongji, he used to be an executioner for the Chinese government. So he, he used to shoot people in the head for the government. And he got saved because there's nothing that God can't do. Amen. And, and well, he got saved and, and he quit his job and his job, he was in the government. He was a police officer. It was a prestigious job. He gave up his career. He gave up his money and he left all of that to follow Jesus. And he started working to smuggle the word of God into North Korea and, um, and, and, and to help people escape the tyranny there. And, um, and he became very well known. And I often jokingly tell people that Dong Ji is like knowing somebody in the mafia who works for God. He's, he's just extremely connected and, and he's able to do what we needed to do to get the gospel in North Korea. And they're sitting there singing about there's nothing God can do. And my mind went back to a night, um, the first January that Mary and I were in China and Dong Ji had come to my house and said, let's go take the gospel to a North Korean man tonight and he's going to take it back into North Korea and to spread it around where he lives. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So we filled duffel bags full of, full of um, um, audio Bibles and food and materials, multiple duffel bags. And we, 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 we got in his car and we drove to the North Korea border. And I mean, friend, we were so close. We were breathing North Korean air. 
Okay, I, like I can see North Korean people on the other side of the river and guard towers and we're in the middle of nowhere. And we parked at this house right on the Chinese side of the border and there's three guard towers and, and, and I was like, how in the world are we going to get the gospel in right here? And so we went into this man's house and, and it got dark and, um, and, and, and we, we went out to the car after it got dark a couple hours later and, and I thought the North Korean man was going to come to the house, we were going to give him the stuff and, and go. No, Dong Ji didn't tell me the rest of it. And um, so, so he said, all right, let's go. And I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to go, we're going to go um, give that man the gospel. And so, so it got dark. And I don't know if you ever looked at a picture in North Korea at night on a satellite map, but there's no lights. It, it's dark. There's no electricity. Um, it's all controlled. Well, there is electricity. It's controlled. It's turned off. And, and so we went and grabbed these duffel bags full of audio Bibles and, and, and clothes and, and jackets to keep folks warm. And, and Dongji said, okay, let's go. And we just start walking straight towards the guard towers in the middle of the night. And I, I was like, what are we doing? And at this time, my Chinese was like, where are we? You know, like I knew very little at this time how to speak. I, we'd only been there about five, maybe six months. And, and so we're heading towards these guard towers and, and it's snow on the ground. And in China, you know, the snow, it, it just turns to ice. And so we're walking on it. Well, Dongji, he weighed about 95 pounds. And so he walked on ice and it's... When I walk on ice, it goes... <laughs> and, and we're on the North Korean border in the middle of the night and there's these guard towers and, and I'm, I'm not lying to you, you research this, look on any news channel you outlet you find, when they find people where we were, you know what they do with them? They shoot them. And my heart was going 300 beats a minute, my friend. If it can reach that, it was, it, it was going. And, and Dongji, he's like, you know, he's Korean, so they, they call me Joshi. They, they, everything ends in a vowel. They call me Joshi. And he's like, Joshi, stop. I'm like, how do you stop? <laughs> you know, we're walking on ice. So he, he takes off and, and, and so we're going and getting closer. And, and I'm in my mind, I'm like, Lord, we were only about 500 feet from these guard towers. We've been walking for about 10 minutes and can't see anything. We're walking through an orchard, an apple pear orchard, getting whacked in the face by tree limbs. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, about as far from me as Dr. Aiken is, a soldier pointed his gun at us, turned the flashlight on on his gun, pointed it straight at us, and we just froze. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't see, I didn't know it was a soldier. I'm thinking, who in the world is walking their dog on the China-North Korea border in the middle of the night? That's what went through my mind. <laughs> no lie, that's what went through my mind. And, and, and the flashlight went off, and, and we waited a couple minutes, and Dongji took off, and I, I'm, I'm, I just follow him. And we get to this, this black cast iron gate, the, the end of China, the beginning of North Korea, we were right there. And it hit me. It's the middle of the night. And they can't see us. But in the daylight, we'd have done been shot. And about a minute later, this North Korean man come walking up the barbed wire fence. He ran about five miles or so from his house in the middle of the night. Ran across a river that was frozen over with ice. With three North Korean guard towers there come across and grabbed all four of these duffel bags. 
And, and he got there, and Dongji asked me to pray over the man. And so I'm praying with all my heart in a whisper, God, touch this man, you know. Didn't want nobody to hear us. And, 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 and this man, he just took off back into North Korea, and we went home. My friend, I'm telling you, there is nothing that God can't do. Amen. Amen. They say North Korea is a, co- a closed country. Uh, no, no. It, it's, it might be closed to you and me, but it's not closed to God. The gospel's still going in there. Amen. Amen. James chapter number one, verse number one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting. Let's pray. God, search our hearts. Bring us together in the unity of your Holy Ghost. Transform us and change us. Glorify yourself. God, take us farther with you than we've ever been. Help us to grow in the Lord. Help our lives to be transformed. I pray tonight, God, if there's somebody in this room that's not saved, that you will convict them of sin and draw them in your loving mercy to this altar and that they will repent and believe the gospel tonight. Lord, for that one that might be far away, that might be fighting your will and resisting you. God, I pray the sweet Holy Spirit will deal with their heart tonight and that they would turn and yield to you and surrender their life to be your servant. God, help us all. Oh, Lord, help me. We are dependent on you and on your word and on the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend, tonight I'm thinking about servants. James, a servant of God. The brother of the Lord. On a comical note, could you imagine that household? Me and Mary were listening to a comedian one night. I don't know if this is so or not, but when Jesus was 12 years old, if he took off running across the water, imagine if James tried to do that. He'd go straight to the bottom. Could you hear his mom and dad? Why can't you be more like Jesus? But he identifies himself here as a servant of God. And I just want to ask again, can I be identified that way? Can you be identified that way? Well, what makes that, that truth so? That one is a servant of God. Well, I know this. The seven times that it's recorded in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the one who said they're a servant of God. I would say that God gets to decide who's a servant and who's not. His word teaches us how to be a servant. And his word teaches us those that are not servants. My mind, I keep remembering the verse, Luke 6, 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? It's so easy to know the Bible said something and to do it in our way. That's not what God teaches. You remember what happened to Uzzah when he did it his way. He touched the ark and he got killed. You remember what happened to King Saul when he received a word from the Lord and he did it his way. He was rejected as the king of Israel. So thinking about a servant of God tonight, I've preached three services about this, but tonight I want to maybe hit closer to home dealing specifically with me as a servant. 
and with some others. Tonight I want to focus on the responsibility of the servants in the church. The first servant in the church that I want to preach about, not, not that it's a priority or something, it's just when you got three you're going to preach about, you got to pick one. So I'm going to start with the preacher. What is the responsibility of the preacher? My friend, I'll tell you today that a lot of people, they want a preacher that makes them laugh or, or that they like or because of his personality or because he's buddy-buddy and he lets them do what they want and they don't tell them the truth. Amen. That's what a lot of people want. But a lot of people don't want a preacher or a pastor that's just going to tell them what God said. The responsibility of the pastor, the responsibility of the preacher. Look with me in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13. Hebrews, chapter number 13. In verse number 17. The Bible said, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Well, that's very clear. There's two main things mentioned here that the pastor of the church is responsible for. The first thing is to watch for the souls of the people in the church. Well, that preacher, he's always talking about something that I need to change or something that needs to be different or something we shouldn't be doing or, or oh, he's so judgmental. The Bible said that the preacher is held accountable by the God of heaven to watch for the souls of people. I'll tell you, my friend, that's a scary thing to think about. But then it said here, not only is he supposed to watch for the soul, but that they must give account. <laughs> People are not always going to like what the preacher says. People are not always going to like what the preacher does. People are not always going to agree with the preacher, but you know what? He has to give an account. And as he reads the Bible, and as he prays, and as he studies, and as he works in the church, and God shows him things, he has to deal with it. Because he must give account. Notice this word must, it means he cannot escape it. He must give an account. But notice something else in this Bible verse. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Notice this word here. For that is unprofitable for you. God gives us pastors. God gives us preachers. And, and, and to watch for our soul, to warn us, to help us, to challenge us, to strengthen us, to protect us. Because it's profitable for us. It's profitable. But you know what's unprofitable? When there's a preacher that preaches, 
the truth and watches for the soul and does what's necessary because he's going to give an account. But then the people, they don't regard. The Bible said that's unprofitable. That's unprofitable. The responsibility of the preacher is not to be buddy-buddy. The responsibility of the preacher is not to make people feel good. Yeah, he should be kind. He should be filled with the Holy Spirit. He should be friendly. I think he should be sweet-spirited. But his priority is in love to preach the truth of God. To watch for your soul. Families don't like when the preacher preaches strong on certain things until their kids end up destroyed by it. I've had people sitting in my office. I've only been here 40 days, my friend. And I have had people that have grown up around Tabernacle Baptist Church and they left. And now they come and sit in the office and talk. And, and, and before, when they would hear these things, they'd think, oh, this is, this is judgmental. This is pharisaical. This is legalistic. But now they say, oh, no, no. Dr. Aiken, Dr. Seitler, Brother Logan, those other preachers, they, they were just trying to keep me from destroying my life. They were watching for my soul. They didn't see it back then. But it's something the church must realize. This is a responsibility laid upon the preacher by God. Notice with me in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Second Timothy chapter number four, verse number two. Well, we'll just read from verse number one, and we'll we'll just we'll just we'll just read through verse number five. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, it is appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come. Listen to this. For the time will come, my friend, it's here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know what that means? People are going to look for churches and preachers that will tell them what they want to hear rather than what God said. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So Paul's telling Timothy, hey, I'm telling you, preach the word. This is coming, but you need to know you need to preach the word no matter that it is coming. But even though it's coming, look at verse number five. Paul told them, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. The responsibility of the preacher. He tells us in verse number two what that is. To preach the word. To preach what God said. As the Bible said in the book of Isaiah, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Cry aloud. Show my people their sins. To preach the word. To be instant in season and out of season, always be ready. 
reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. Yes, we should be long-suffering. Yes, we should be gentle. Yes, we should be kind. And yes, we should never preach, teach, or counsel without love. But when reproof is necessary, it's laid upon the preacher to reprove. When rebuke is necessary, it's a demand by God to rebuke. But it's also demanded to exhort, to encourage, to help strengthen. Notice the responsibility of the preacher is to watch for the souls of the people. The responsibility of the preacher, hey, if he's going to be a servant of God, notice with me Galatians chapter number 1. Galatians chapter number 1. The preacher's heart solely has to be set on God. Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 10. Notice these words. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The preacher is to be the servant of God. The preacher is to preach and to teach and to uphold what God said. Not to be a man pleaser. It's God's desire that when the preacher makes known what God said, that man will change from what they are to what God said. It's not about the preacher, but there's a responsibility upon this servant to watch for the soul, to preach, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort, to watch in all things. But notice Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter number 46. We'll read verse number 9 through verse number 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Notice verse number 12. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted. That means people who are too proud and too stiff-necked to humble themselves and accept what God said. God is saying, hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. The responsibility of the preacher is to execute the counsel of God, to carry it out. The preacher is to find the will of God and to be led by God and to be led by God leading the church, executing the counsel of God. I didn't write it, friend. God did. And I'll go so far to say this, and this is Bible. If the preacher doesn't do this, he's derelict Amen. in his duties, and he's a hireling. Amen. 
Amen, Dr. Aiken? Amen. The preacher, we read Galatians 1.10, he said, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The preacher's responsibility is to glorify God. To glorify God. You remember John the Baptist? What happened to him? You know what he did? He preached the truth and he got his head cut off. Yeah, he walked up to the, to the governor and said, Hey, that woman you're married to, that's your brother's wife. God said it's not right. And he got thrown in prison. Then you know what happened? That woman, she was so bitter. She was so angry that the preacher preached what God said. That instead of getting right, she wanted revenge. So when she had opportunity to receive a gift, you know what she wanted? The head of the preacher. I just want to thank God John the Baptist didn't back down from preaching the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ said, there's not a greater born among women than John the Baptist. If you'll look with me in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 1 through 4. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse number two begins a list telling us about the demands laid upon the preacher by God to feed the flock of God, to open the word of God, and to share something from heaven that can help their soul. Then he said, taking the oversight thereof. This word oversight, so if you go into, if you go into the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible said, if any man desire the office of a bishop. So that office of a bishop, it, it means Bishop Rick. Bishop Rick. And we read, read about a Bishop Rick in Acts 1.20. Judas had a Bishop Rick. He had an office of oversight. That word bishopric, if you go into the Greek meaning and the de definition of the word, it means to take oversight. And so God laid this responsibility upon the preacher of taking the oversight. That means that when the preacher takes the oversight and things are not correct, if he does not deal with it, he's wrong. That means if he does not preach the truth, teach the truth, uphold the truth, enforce the truth, he's wrong. 
taking the oversight. Taking. That means to receive upon you the responsibility. Taking the oversight thereof. Then it said, not by constraint, but willingly. This is where servanthood comes in. God didn't force this. It's to be received out of love for the Lord and obedience. But then it said here, not for filthy lucre. So it's not about money, but of a ready mind, willing and ready to serve the Lord. Verse number four, or verse number three, neither is being lords over God's heritage. I can't control your life. The preacher can't control your life. And he's not supposed to. He is supposed to preach the truth. He is supposed to take oversight in the church. He is to see that what takes place in the ministry is according to the word of God. He can't control your home. You know who's in, in control at the home? The daddy. That's what the word of God said. The authority of the church in exercising ends at the door. They preach, they teach. They don't control your home. God ordained three institutions, the government, the church, and the home. Quite a responsibility, is it not? But then there's the responsibility of 1 Timothy 3, if you'll turn there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's the responsibility of being qualified. This is a true saying, chapter 3, verse 1. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop. So this Greek word, office of a bishop, is the same Greek word of Acts 120, where Judas had a bishopric. So, so these qualifications apply to a pastor, but Judas was not a pastor. So the, that shows us that, that, that these qualifications do not only apply to a pastor, they apply to preachers. They apply to all preachers. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Notice the word be. If you, if you disobeyed your mama when you were four years old, then at that time you were not blameless. You had sinned. But a bishop must be blameless. That means living presently right. A bishop must be blameless the husband of one wife. Well, that, 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 you know, you read Romans chapter 7, verse number 1 through verse number 3. And it tells us very clearly, if there's a woman and she's married and she puts away her husband and she marries another while he's alive, she shall be called an adulteress. The book of Proverbs said, the reproach of adultery shall not be wiped away. It didn't say sin can't be forgiven. It said, the reproach shall not be wiped away. It means they're not blameless. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. My friend, do you see the responsibility that God is laying over and over and over upon 
one of his servants, the preacher. Not given to wine. No striker. Not greedy, a filthy lucre. Not living for money. Living for Jesus. But patient. Not a brawler. I've heard of preachers that would go down on the street and almost come to blows. I heard of a missionary in Korea that almost got in a fist fight with another missionary. God forbid. God forbid. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. My friend, God lays a responsibility, a daunting, a holy, a serious responsibility upon the preacher. God laid it there. But then I would like to speak about a second servant tonight. The second servant are the deacons in the church. Matter of fact, the word deacon in English comes from the Greek word diakonos. And this word means one who executes the commands of another. A servant, minister, attendant, a waiter, the servant of a king. That's what it means. In the Bible, the deacons were servants. Look with me in the book of Acts, chapter number 6. Acts, chapter number 6. We'll start in verse number 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multi was multiplied... There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and the saying please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We find here an example of the responsibility, the duties that are laid upon deacons. These men were to be full of the Holy Ghost. They were to be of a good report. They were to be honest. They were to be wise. And notice, notice their purpose. As all this was taking place, the preachers couldn't stop preaching to attend unto these issues. 
So it said here, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. The preachers said that. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The deacons are the amazing servants in the church. They serve in a way that keeps the pastor from being removed from his responsibility. And help the pastor together, they work to meet the needs and to help the people. Whether that's shut-ins or widows or people who are struggling and in need. Then if you'll notice with me in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It talked about the qualifications of a preacher. But now it talks about the qualifications of the deacons. My deacon brothers, God's laid a responsibility on you. And it's a great responsibility. Likewise, so in the same way, just as with the preacher, must the deacons be grave. Not double-tongued. That means don't say one thing and turn around and say another thing later. Not given to much wine, not greedy, a filthy lucre, not living for money, not given to alcohol. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. They have a clean life, which produced a, a clean and a pure heart. And let these also first be proved. The Bible said to lay hands suddenly on no man. My friend, it's a mistake when somebody walks into the church and you just look at them and you think that they're spiritual to quickly make them a deacon. God said, let them first be proved. And let these first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave. So now, not only is there a responsibility on the deacon, but there is a responsibility on the deacon's wife. Now, as missionaries, Mary and I, we've traveled to many churches. I'm going to tell you, in some churches, some of the deacon's wives are some of the biggest gossips that exist. Now, I don't know many of the deacon's wives here at Tabernacle, so I, I'm, I can't say that about you. But I'm going to tell you, it shouldn't be that way. Amen. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober. Notice these words, faithful in all things. Wow, what a responsibility. <clears throat> Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write unto you hoping to come unto you shortly. But if you'll notice with me verse number 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself 
in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. God has a will. God has laid a specific responsibility of how he wants it to be at the house of God. And in closing, I would like to end with all the congregation of the church. There is a responsibility laid upon all of us. The preacher, the deacons, even the deacons' wives, and now the entire congregation. If you'll look with me in Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. We'll start in verse number 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. So Paul is saying we should follow him. In another text he said follow him as he follows God. So as the preacher receives this from God, from the word of God. The preacher's not to get up and preach something that's not written in the word of God. The preacher's to get up and preach what is written in the word of God. Amen. And when the preacher preaches what is written in the word of God, all of us together as one in the unity of the Holy Spirit are supposed to move forward for the glory of God. <coughs> Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. Now, what's the difference between an example and an in-sample? One preacher, I heard him a long time ago, he said, an example is if I try to describe to you what a tank is. He said, an in-sample is if I drove it through the wall and parked it in front of the church and said, that's a tank. It means to live it out in front of. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk <clears throat> so as you have us for an in-sample... For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He's saying, hey, beware. Be careful. There's the enemies of the cross out there, and I'm just going to say, you go over to Romans chapter 16, and it talks about those, those preachers that with fair speeches, with their smooth words, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Beware of that. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And, and let me say something right there. The Apostle Paul, he was not just talking about some other foreign doctrine like the Hindus or the Muslims. He's talking about people that were acting like they were preaching the word of God. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We have a responsibility, my friend. The preacher does, the deacons do, the deacons' wives do, the whole church does. We have a responsibility. James, a servant of God. May that be true of all of us. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, search our hearts. May the will of the Lord be done in this invitation. God, help us. Transform us. Help me, God, to be the servant that I should be. Help all of us, Lord. 
In your holy name I pray, amen. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee, I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to Thee, I need Thee every hour, in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or life is vain. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, most holy one, oh, make me thine indeed. Thou blessed Son, I need Thee, oh, I need Thee, every hour I need Thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee.